we prep for our children, but have we ever considered prepping our children? Let's talk about that on today's episode. Welcome to the Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better, because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Practical Prepping Podcast. Hey, you know what, Mark? We've been watching the weather the last day or two, and we're seeing some forecasting of snow coming to our area. Not only our area, but about a eastern third of the country is what I saw on one of the national broadcasts. Yeah, they call it a bomb cyclone. It's a weather term, and it's basically this enormous front is coming in, and there's a lot of moisture behind it. So we're looking at some sleet, some accumulating snow. It looks like old man winter is just not going to let go just yet. Oh, no. He... And until about April 15th here, uh, we really don't want to be letting down our guard. Right. We've got to be prepped. We've got to be ready. We may have a power outage. We may need to have our heat and our propane reserves uh, in order just in case. We might need a little extra something because it's going to be in the 20s. I took care of that last weekend for us. I added more gasoline for the generator and I added more propane So we're sitting on about 100 pounds of propane and an adequate supply of gasoline. Okay. This was just a quick off-topic message for us to remind our our southern friends, those in North Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, some of those areas. And on up through the east and Mm -hmm. northeast. Right. Exactly. To be looking at those preps, be looking at your heat and power situation Mm -hmm. and be ready. And for you folks way up north, be looking seriously at what you might need to do to protect your pipes from freezing as well. Right. Winter's not quite done. He's not quite done. Okay, so on to our topic. We do a lot of prepping for our children, and we talk about that. And you've been doing an episode each week on prepping. First, you started with pregnant mothers, and then you did infants this week, I think. And then you have one coming with parents with toddlers, and not just the mothers, but the parents and grandparents that are prepping for a toddler as well. Exactly. But today, we want to talk about something totally different, and that is prepping our children and some of the things that they can have at school. Right. We've been given some thought to the fact that a lot of times our children are away from us. They're at school. They are in a situation where they're in a safe place and they're being supervised. But there have been a number of times when a storm may be coming up. They've had to do tornado drills. Mm -hmm. And some of these kids in this area have actually experienced tornadoes while at school. Or they've had a lockdown for one reason or another. But, you know, things can happen even at school when you're not there with your children. You have to prep for your children or prep your children a lot different because a lot of things are not allowed at school Mm -hmm. that we take for granted that we carry every day. And this prepping needs to be age appropriate. 
But one of the things that we're doing here is we are prepping them to be preppers. Well, yeah, we're introducing them to the concept of having the items you would mm-hmm. need. You know, even the Boy Scouts creed for many, many, many decades has been be, be prepared. prepared. And so there are things that a child could have at school in their backpack or some sort of a carry-on or carry-around container that can be very helpful to them. And we're actually going to start it around the older child, maybe the 11, 12-year-old and up. But now we can go back even to elementary school and we can prepare them by having them carry extra pencils. We can have them carry colored pencils and markers glue, the things that they actually use in elementary school. Well, we may not want to give them glue because Tommy mm. may be gluing Sally's Well, hair. they do glue sticks now. Okay. Yeah. So there are some things, and we could get those things into their backpacks, or we could get those things for them to put into their backpacks so that they know they're there, and you check those things with them from time to time. But as you said just a few minutes ago, we're going to start with pretty much our middle school and older. Now, one of the things that we want to do is be careful that we don't overload them. Right. I mean, their backpack is intended for them to have their school items that they need to carry. But there is a little room from time to time in a lot of book bags and backpacks where they could carry something a little extra. For example, a chapstick, just something like that. You know, chap lips are really bothersome, and it'd be nice for them to have some kind of lip treatment if they need it. You can build them a little boo-boo box, Band-Aids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little first aid. A little yeah. first aid kit. Sure. And, and it can be very small. Uh, an Altoid box is a good thing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Especially middle-aged, I mean, middle-aged child, <laughs> a middle school child will know when they actually need to use a Band-Aid. Now, if you give those to second and third graders, they're going to bump their knee, not break the skin, and they're still going to need a Band-Aid. Well, that's why we're starting with an older kid. We're, we think that you need to kind of let them know that these extra items are just for the just-in-case you need them. Uh, now, if they really do become hurt, if they really do feel sick, that's what the school nurse or the, the medical practitioner is at school for. So naturally, you'd send them to them. But if they just need a simple Band-Aid, they can have a few extras in their backpack. Sure. Very, very easy to do. And one thing I would look at including in there is a flashlight of some type. Yeah. Not not a big, huge oh, mag no. light, but no. just something small. It could be a, one of the little lights that's on the end of a keychain. Well, you know, those are a good idea because they're self-contained. Mm-hmm. It's not like the batteries are going to fall out or anything. Little LED, little spotlight type things would be a great idea. And you could even clip that to their bag. You know, I have used a little flashlight just like that to look down into the cavern called my purse, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's dark and scary in there. And sometimes I don't know what I'm reaching for. And so that little tiny spot LED light is perfect. Or that might be a better place instead of using that little tiny flashlight to use our next item. And that is a glow stick. You could tie a glow stick on the end of a string and lower it down into your purse and see what's <laughs> down in there. Like an explorer. <laughs> Nat yeah. Geo going into my purse. And that light stick is is not a bad idea for a child to be able to carry. And, and we're talking 11, 12, 14 and owned up. And you can get those at the dollar store. Oh, yeah. And, and Excuse me, the Dollar twenty-five store. Dollar twenty-five store. Yeah, yeah. I've seen mm. them there in packs of two, and uh, you know I've seen those as much as eight and nine dollars for a pack of two at other mm-hmm. places. A too. lot of places like a five below sometimes.
sitcoms would have a variety of light sticks. And they come in a lot of different colors, Mm -hmm. and so that's something that you could put in there. Now, here's an absolute must, and this really needs to be there if it is from pre-kindergarten through their senior high school, and that is some type of laminated emergency contact list, and it serves two purposes. If something happens and they're not able to answer questions, this gives the rescuer contact information to contact the parent. But it also gives the child a list of phone numbers because we don't memorize phone numbers anymore. That's the truth. And so if their phone goes totally out and they need to call a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle and they don't have their speed dial on their phone, they need something to be able to look up Mm -hmm. that phone number. That's a good call. You can often borrow a cell phone. Even on the streets as law enforcement, I have let other people use my telephone in an emergency situation, but they had to know the number. Mm -hmm. Yes, And sometimes it was pulling it out of a pocket on a printed list. Mm -hmm. What else could they have in there? Well, a water bottle. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about like a commercially filled water bottle or a separate bottle they can put water into? Yes. Oh, both. Okay. Either All one. Right. Either one. Either one. Now, we see kids at school today carrying their water bottles because mm-hmm. I think most schools shut down their water fountains and they have a way to fill their bottle. Mm-hmm. And so these kids are accustomed to carrying those bottles, but put that bottle in their backpack. Now, some of the ones uh, at school may be leaving it there, but sometimes they run off and forget their water bottle. And if they have an extra in their backpack, they can use that. And it could either be, you know, a a metal type plastic or whatever, but it could also be the commercial bottled water that they can refill. Something else they could tuck into there would be a little rain covering called a poncho. Mm -hmm. There's a little plastic fold out. They're not intended to be a like a full-on, you know, rain wear, but it's just something to keep the water off your hair and your face. Yeah, I used to say jokingly, not so much jokingly, in teaching disaster relief, that if you paid a dollar ninety-eight for your poncho, it's not a poncho; it's a bread wrapper. Mm-hmm. But this might actually be the place that you buy that dollar ninety-eight poncho in a pack. The one that you get at amusement parks for eight ninety nine. Oh, you know, those. that one, yeah. The child could be at school, not have rain gear, ride the bus, and have a block to walk to get home from the bus. And that inexpensive, I almost call them disposable ponchos, would be a good thing to get them home safely. Absolutely. And when the winter weather is threatening, you may want to roll up tightly a little toboggan maybe a little pair of gloves or mittens for a little extra gear. You know, a child will leave their house without their jacket on on a 20-degree day. If you let them, they will. There's some 11- and 12- and 13-year-olds who, we all understand this, their brain isn't all the way developed, and they just didn't think that they needed the jacket on a 20-degree day. And I'll tell you that when they get cold enough, they're going to want to reach into that backpack for those gloves. And this might be another place where, let's go back to the bus stop issue, that they've left their gloves or their toboggan at school. And that happens all the time. It does. Or they've lost them. 
And so on the bus, they realize that so they can pull out their extra gloves and their extra toboggan and be able to stay warm. So I would say put this in addition to their daily wear gloves and toboggan. And while we're on the subject of clothing, even one simple extra pair of socks can make a big difference. If if this kid's been at school and it's gotten wet or rainy or muddy and they've just gotten soaked to the bone, it would be nice for them to be able to roll out of their muddy, wet socks and clean their feet off really well and put on a nice, dry, clean pair of socks. And that usually doesn't take up a whole lot of room and they can be squished because they're socks. Yes. And, you know, it doesn't have to be raining for little boys to get their feet wet. <laughs> All they need is a muddy puddle and Mm -hmm. they could go out onto the playground early in the day wind up with wet feet and they've got an extra pair of socks that they can put back on and so they can have dry feet Uh, they may even have to go without shoes in the classroom if they're very small children for a little while right a few other things to keep in mind that would work in a small space in a backpack would be hand sanitizer an emergency whistle and an emergency blanket. Mm-hmm. Just uh, the, Those are self-explanatory. Hand sanitizer, we all know what that's for. The emergency whistle, that's if there's a situation where they may need to be spotted or they're lost or they're hurt or something's happened and they're underneath some rubble. And that whistle, if they're able to get to it and have it in their possession, that can signal a rescuer Mm -hmm. to come and find them or even a dog to come and find them. And teach them the uses for the emergency blanket. Right. Emergency blankets are kind of in the tarp family of many different ways you can use an emergency blanket. But they are very warm. They're very reflective of body heat. They're very light. And you're probably looking at about a three by five inch size pack. And I'd say don't take it out of the pack until you need it because you're not going to get it folded back up to put right. in that pack. They compress it with machines to get it that flat. And it's in there tight. So, And here's, here's an idea that I read about recently, and that is with boys carrying wallets. And the way that the parents made the children aware that they had to take their wallet with them all the time, they had identification information in there. But even the small children, the seven, eight, nine, they had two $1 bills in there. Just a little small amount Just of money. Just a little mm-hmm. small amount of money. Now, here's how they impressed upon them to learn to carry that wallet. If the family went somewhere and they went into a toy store and maybe the child had money at home that they could actually spend on something and they wanted something, if they did not have their wallet and their $2, they couldn't buy it because you couldn't borrow from mom or dad unless you had your money. Now, if, if it cost more than they had, they could borrow from mom and dad. And then mom and dad would get paid back. And mom and dad would get paid Mm. back when they got home. But there was no borrowing if you did not have your wallet and your money. Oh, so they were teaching them responsible money-carrying and negotiating and And, and budgeting. carrying their wallet. That's very... Every time they went out of the house, if they weren't Mm -hmm. going to just the the mailbox, then those kids would carry their wallet. Absolutely. That's so smart. Another Mm -hmm. good thing to have in there is a simple bandana. 
one of my favorite prepper items. You use a bandana in all kinds of ways, and I'm sure a, a student at school could probably use one too if it's an exceptionally hot or windy or a cold day. It could become a, mm-hmm. an extra face mask covering. Or I've wiped you know. sweat with them. I've wiped my nose with them. You I've use them wet, like a handkerchief. I've wet them and tied them around my neck to stay cooler. Oh, that's smart. There's just all kinds of things that you can do with a bandana. And adults, we would use those for filtering or pre-filtering water in the wild to get the big chunks out, mm-hmm. to get the pieces of mud and stuff like that before we would boil it to drink it. Okay. All right, let's talk about some things that we can add to high school, to yeah. teens. Now, th- these are just some things that you can put in there. We're not saying that they need every single one of these things. No, we're, we're just we're not, not saying that. Yeah. We're just giving you the idea that we need to be prepping our children. You know, we have to be very cognizant, like you said before, of there's just certain things that a prepper would use, but a teenager at high school can't be packing their, you know, their handcrafted knife or their all their lighter systems or all sorts of sharp cutting tools, you know, like a good prepper would have. And we're going to talk about that. There, mm-hmm. there may yeah. be some ways, and so we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But with that teenager in high school, there's there's a lot of carryover, good ideas that we've already touched on for the younger one. Again, that laminated contact list, that printed hard copy, in the event that a device is no longer working or can't get charged up, now there is, a, in fact, that's a good idea for me because I don't memorize phone numbers anymore either. Mm-hmm. And so having that laminated and laminated simply because that protects it, keeps it from shredding and fading. Right. But just plain old paper folded up, if nothing else. True. I mean, you didn't have them there. Yeah. Now, you mentioned if you didn't have a phone charged up or something, with your older children, a power bank is Mm -hmm. an inexpensive prep that they can carry and have that power bank charged up and make sure they have a charger cord to use with it. Absolutely. And again, a flashlight, just something moderate, no frills, maybe a few extra batteries, but you have to be very careful how you carry batteries. You don't want batteries just loose rolling around in the backpack. They're they're great to put into those medicine bottles that we were talking about mm-hmm. a while back. That's those a good safe prescription. Way. Yeah, that'll work. Which reminds me, I have used four recently and I need to reload my used medicine bottle with batteries to carry. But that's a good thing to have. Now, how about a local map and a compass? Right. This is going to create a new discussion about orienteering, and that is the use of a compass. It's actually a lot of fun to learn how to use mm-hmm. that because it's it uses kind of the old school magnetic north technology with ways that, I mean, even Lewis and Clark had compasses, you know, and so that would be a great way for them to learn directional orienteering, how to find their way out of the woods, and a map because they do identify major and minor highways, Mm -hmm. county names, railroad tracks, all the different kind of things you would encounter if you're in an area that you're not that familiar with. We have one grandson in school that is now 13 years old, And it is a situation where he is old enough and the distance is not too far that he could actually walk to his grandmother's house from his school. He's going to have to walk about three quarters of a mile total if he goes through the woods. So I need to walk him through that route one day and show him how you get there. 
So if he is ever put in a situation where he does not have transportation and he needs to get home, he can go that way. And he would even be able to avoid being seen by a lot of folks by cutting through the woods and coming into the upper end of the pasture. But a map would help for that. Absolutely. And just to run through the next group, we've already touched on these for the other age student, but emergency blankets, first aid kits, things that include things like safety pins. You might even include some kind of a lighter if they are mature enough to not abuse having a lighter. And I don't know if a school would be permissible with an actual lighter inside school grounds. I'm not sure about that, really. And I can imagine that they usually err on the side of caution in in a case like that. That probably would depend on that particular school, school board. But if it is inside an emergency kit and you can justify, you know, that's my emergency kit that my mom built for me. And you could even put a label on the Altoid box that says emergency kit, and it's got those things in it. Many principals and vice principals would overlook that, maybe take it and say, don't bring it back. You could put nail clippers in there. That's something that is quite usable. And you could also carry an emery board. Mm -hmm. Because a, a long pointed nail file is definitely not going to be allowed. Exactly. So an emery board, yeah, that's exactly. a lot safer. Also an age-appropriate amount of cash. Now, we're not talking five, six, $700 here. We're talking about a high school kid, maybe $20 or less in terms of actual cash, something they need to keep up with. And let me just pause here by saying that when we're talking about your student prepping with items for school, this is not an opportunity for them to start bragging to everybody about the things they have. Mm -hmm. They need to be trained to be discreet and mature. And we call it OPSEC. OPSEC, operational security. They can use it if they need it to help someone, but these things are not to be bragged about, spoken about, or talked about. This is just emergency gear. All right, now let's talk about those kids that are driving, those that drive to school and they drive pretty much the same vehicle all the time. This is where I would build their own get-home bag or car bag or whatever you want to call it. Now, some of the items that you mentioned a while ago, and I put these under extreme OPSEC. All right. These are items that they're not allowed to have at school, but you as a parent could have in a locked toolbox in the trunk of the car. Mm -hmm. If you're teaching your child prepper skills and they understand that they may be someplace when something catastrophic happens and they have to get home on their own, you might want to have their own get home bag and it would be good for them to, if the whole family's traveling, everybody carries their own get-home bag, so that if we do have to do that, my idea is to take an inexpensive toolbox and a very cheap combination lock, just one of those luggage-type cheap combination locks, just to keep other kids from opening it, and put in a knife, and put in that lighter, or some fire-starting mechanism. I, I wouldn't just put a ferro rod in there for a kid that's not used to using one. The lighter is going to be a lot easier. Put some commercial tinder in there for them. Put some paracord. Put some duct tape. Put a small tarp in the trunk of the car. Put a first aid kit in the trunk of the car. 
but I would build them their own get home bag and have them carry that in the trunk of their car, make sure they understand what it's to be used for and not to be used for. And you could even take things like a knife and put under the spare tire in the trunk of the car. Hmm, I see. Okay. Something else you could do with, and this could be for a young man or a young lady, and that is to teach them how to use jumper cables. And it's really simple. Red on positive, black on negative. Make sure you've got the same thing on both vehicles and you're able to start that and jump it off. I'd also put a four-way lug wrench in there. Now, I would not be expecting my 16-year-old daughter to be able to change her own tire. Well, you know, I learned how to. Well, I know my that. dad taught your, me. Your dad made you do that, but I don't think you've ever had to do it. But yeah. I would have a four-way lug wrench in my 16-year-old daughter's car, and I did when they were 16. Is and, and the thing is that, one, if I get there to change it, I have a four-way lug wrench to use. If they can find somebody else to change it, there's a four-way lug wrench to use. So it's just a much, much better way to change a tire than that thing that comes from the manufacturer and it takes a engineering degree to figure out how to work the lug wrench. Oh, dear. Mm-mm. But well, in case they can't change the tire, you might want to have a can of fix-a-flat in there. Yeah. Now, a can of fix-a-flat, that is not a long-term solution. It is not a long-term solution. It is to get you off the road. And then when you go to the tire store, tell them you had to put fix-a-flat in it so they can break it down and clean it out because Mm -hmm. it will cause the rubber to deteriorate. Right. Also, something to keep in the car, again, would be a tarp. There's 900 uses for a tarp. And maybe even a minor trauma kit, something with a little bit larger bandages, maybe quite a bit more gauze, tourniquets. You have to learn how to use a tourniquet. You have to learn how to use a tourniquet. And some medical tape. The type of things that would be needed for more serious injuries or Mm -hmm. bleeding. All right. So there's some ideas that we've had and we've thought about and we've talked about. And some of these things that we encourage our grandkids to carry and our little ones will be carrying when they get older. And so we just want to encourage you to not only prep for your kids, but to prep your kids. And a good resource for you parents is to pull the school's handbook. There will be a paragraph in there somewhere about what is and is not allowed on school grounds. Check those lists. Make sure that none of those things are actually in the backpack, in or in the school or on the school grounds. But like Mark said, you can secure some things in a private automobile where they're not visible or where they can't be used as an immediate weapon against someone. You folks that are in the path of the snow, get ready. They say it's coming. Make sure you have everything you need to get ready for that snow because I think that's starting tonight about 9 o'clock here in North Alabama. And you can look at the National Weather Service, weather.gov, and go to the Weather Service and pull up your local area. And you can see what time and the timeline of when they're expecting it there. And you can even see some of the estimated accumulations. We've gone from just a little bit of accumulation on the grass to where I think the last thing I saw is we're looking for an inch and a half to two inches. So it could be fun. We're going to be home. We're going to have coffee. We're going to have heat. We're good to go. Anything else you want to add? Stuff happens. Stay prepared. See you next time. We hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. 
Hopefully you've learned something, picked up a tip, or something we said may have triggered a thought that will help you in your prepping journey. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you'll never miss an episode, and share it with your friends and family. And remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.